everybody. We're back, baby. Yeah, baby, we're back. Major League A-Holes, the show. I'm Pete. I'm Ryan. Welcome to the show, MajorLeagueAholes.com. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun one. We have way more to talk about than I anticipated we'd be talking about in early December. Uh, we have some breaking Cubs news. We have uh, our recaps of our thoughts on Theo Epstein's departure. We've got some wild trade rumors. We've had the non-tender deadline come and go. Uh, it's affected both both of our main Chicago teams that we cover here. Uh, the We've got a little bit of aesthetics, the return of aesthetics by popular demand. We got some shit you couldn't make up, and of course, we're gonna popular have... demand. Okay. <laughs> and of course, we have asshole of the week. So, let's go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents this week in baseball. Yeah. You breaking news I don't yeah know to, i don't know who goes i mean yeah well the breaking news last night i saw on twitter uh sahar of sharma i believe that's how you pronounce his name from the athletic reported that len casper out of the blue was leaving the cubs organization in the marquee network to go eight miles south of all places to the chicago white Sox. Not to become their new TV broadcaster because your broadcast booth might be the best in baseball as it is. Yes. He's going to your radio booth. In and back a to his roots. Yeah. In a, in a, on the surface, a perplexing move, but we'll get into the, the his reasoning and why it's starting to make some sense. Um, he was just on ESPN 1000, his new radio home, uh, this morning on the Cap Show, Cap and Hood. Uh, going just telling the whole story, like why it happened, how he, he it was, it had, it was totally driven by Len himself. Uh, that's that's his story, and I, I believe that. But I think there's a little more to it than what he was espousing his love of radio. And his his point was that if you have been paying any attention, you know, radio is his first love. Because um, he he would jump in anytime he could on Cubs radio broadcasts and you know and like calling the fifth inning when when Pat would step out or doing pre and post stuff. Um, the personal connection for me, which makes sense, is he grew up exactly like I did in Mid Michigan. Uh, he's about four or five years older than me, but we both grew up listening to Ernie Harwell call Tigers games on the radio, and Ernie Harwell is. It has a dear place in my heart, but he's he's universally acclaimed as one of the best radio broadcasters ever. So that that is a an inspiration for Len, and he said he's always wanted to be in radio. So there's just something, I guess there's something special in his mind and many people's minds about the radio broadcast versus the the television side. Where the the, the strange thing to me is it doesn't does it feel like radio is a step down though. From television, you think the the television booth is is the pinnacle of baseball broadcasting? Is that 
Am I am I off base there? Or? No, no. I, I I was I was a little surprised by it, but you know, I read I read comments of basically about of what he ended up saying on ESPN one thousand. He also has a desire to call a World Series game. That's which a he would huge never, part. Yeah, would never be able to do um in in the tv booth or probably Un with the cubs in the near future so Un well unless he like kidnaps joe buck and takes over the the fox job yeah the television yeah. will always be run by the national broadcast so yeah i hadn't i hadn't considered that at first so yeah if his dream has always been to call a world series the way to do that is to get on the radio um yeah the, going the, the south south side is a is a interesting scenario to do that um Seems like a seems like a potentially prudent move considering the way you guys are looking these days. Um, I don't think it's <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think it's impossible Jeez. to think the right. the Cubs would be back um, in the World Series. But is Pat Hughes ever going to go anywhere? I think that that job is cemented for as long as Pat wants it. So if Len was going to do radio, it was going to have to be someplace else. So I guess why not eight miles south? Uh, it's not unprecedented either. Our our logo behind you there is a picture of Harry Carey, a shirtless Harry Carey, screaming from the bleachers. I believe it is from the the Wrigley Field bleachers, but it may have been. No, no, that from, that, that shots from that shots from the the White Sox bleachers. Well, there you go. That was wrong then. So yeah, it's it's just pointing out that Harry Carey is has a legacy on both sides. The both sides of town. Uh, did Br Brickhouse? Jack Brickhouse, is he a broadcaster on both sides too? I heard some people talking about it on the radio. I kind of missed it this morning. Yeah, I think he maybe had a brief stint with okay. the White Sox, but well, we know Harry, Steve Steve Stone yeah. has. So yeah. there, there's a long yeah. long tradition of broadcasters switching sides of town. So yeah, for be... I mean Stone played for both. Um, right, right. And Stone was run out of run out of Wrigley. We all know that run out of the Cubs organization by dusty we trusty but um you know this isn't quite as big as they were taking you know it's not obviously not as big as harry carey moving because he was such a iconic figure right. but you know i love len casper i love his taste in music I, I love that he's part of the broadcast the only sad news is dj remains on the yes. uh, broadcast team so the dj len, remains the poor, same poor len trades a jd who i think is is terrible for a DJ who is even more terrible. So, oh yeah, okay. So you know, it's like uh, the yin and the yang of shit. Um, <laughs> but you know, we'll make do. At least, at least I know half the broadcast is going to be uh, a lot, lot better. So um, when I have to tune into radio, it's going to be a lot more bearable now than it than it has been. Even you know, Farmio uh, had overstayed his welcome too. um he was not very good in his in his in his last season and then and then uh, overstayed his welcome on the planet <laughs> yeah he gone yeah they so. replaced him with andy Maisner last year who, who yeah used to be i know he's in chicago radio years ago and went to tampa um for the rays broadcast so they brought him and was i i, I assume that was going to be permanent and was that just a weird that was you know, an scrambling because yeah. Ed had died, and then exactly there wow. was there was no like contract given. It was like, hey, you want to do this for us? You're a White Sox fan too, so 
Um, so yeah, I think uh, things are uh, things are, are, are really looking up for the uh, total broadcast of uh, the Chicago White Sox. Um, I like that they're on AM one thousand again too. That that could that that should be fun. Maybe have the uh, old uh, pregame crew back in there and all that. I don't know how that's gonna go. So, um, yeah, uh, good stuff there. You uh, wanna? You got anything else to add to that? Yeah. Well, I mean, as a Cubs fan, I've been. Well, you got the replacement to talk about too. What's that? You got yeah, I do. replacement to talk about too. I have a lot to talk about there. But as a Cubs fan, since. Hardcore since 1997 when I first moved to Chicago. Len Casper was the second part of the second broadcast crew, um, second and third actually. Uh, he's been here for 16 years, so he just kind of feels like the voice of the Cubs to me. I mean, besides Pat Hughes, of course, but I've, I've watched more games than I listen to on the radio. Um, Len's Len's interesting. I I I've always thought of him as pretty vanilla and. N- nothing offensive, you know, nothing, you know, not that I'd never disliked him, but w- I wasn't like always like clamoring to tune in just to hear his thoughts. You know, it was, he's, he's solid. He's solid and, 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 uh, well, just kind of vanilla, but o- over time though, I feel like his personality has come out and you get to, you kind of know him now, you know more about him and, you know, he's definitely expressed his, his love of music and other things. And you just, so he, he, it's almost like you just, he's just been around. So he just becomes familiar and becomes part of your family eventually. So, um, I think it's a loss. It's a loss in those terms, you know, just as like losing a, losing a family member, almost somebody that you spend your summer afternoons with, um, for 16 years. Uh, but I think, I think he is replaceable. Um, it's it's very different than you know Harry Carey's death or or um, well I just I think there's a there's potential out there that that they could replace him and you know not miss a beat it's gonna be it's gonna be jarring unlike you I do like JD um, he he's he's got his unique uh, kind of vanilla style but it's uh, he he's got a lot of insight that I that I appreciate. Um, paired with the right right play by play guy, I think they could be great. Unfortunately, what I what I'm hearing and everyone is reporting uh, is that Chris Myers is going to be the replacement. And if you don't know who Chris Myers is, you're probably not alone. Uh, you you actually probably do know who he is, but he's so nondescript. Uh, Kind of the John Q broadcaster, just generic broadcaster dude that has been on Fox for the last 20 some years uh, as like a pre and post host for MLB and NFL and other things. He's actually a, like a NASCAR, a NASCAR and Fox host too. So he's just kind of does everything. I, I didn't, I never think of him as specifically baseball, but I think that'd be a, a kind of a boring, poor poor choice on their part. The reason why he is the front runner is because he's already employed by the marquee network. Um, he, he was on, he was on the books last year, but I don't think I ever saw him on a broadcast, like a pre or post or whatever, but he, it's literally, they don't have to hire a new broadcaster. They just move somebody that's already on the, on the, on the list on the employee roster, just move them into the booth. So 
if that is the case, I think it's a mistake. Um, you just, you know, cause I, he's not, he doesn't speak to, doesn't speak to Chicago. He doesn't, he doesn't bring any excitement in my mind to, to the booth or specific baseball insight or anything like that. Um, it also speaks to more, more evidence that the Cubs might be drastically cutting, just slashing any kind of budget they can. And if they can just get rid of uh, Len's contract, which I'm assuming is pretty hefty after 16 years in the in a high-profile position, I'm sure he's making some bank. If they could get rid of that salary and just move a current employee into the booth, that would that would be another sign that they are not spending any money anytime soon, which is going to go into later discussions that we'll have in the show. But uh, beyond the, the the surface issues, my, my thoughts on Chris Myers, Keith Olbermann uh, went to Twitter Rawr! last night. Uh, former teammate at ESPN of Chris Myers. Uh, so he knows him well. He's what was the quote? I forgot what it was. He said he's yeah. like the, the worst, the worst human, human being he's uh, ever worked with. Yes. And he pointed out that he has worked with someone else who blackmailed Dave Letterman at one point. And so I don't know that story, but somehow Chris yes. Myers is worse than that. Yeah, Chris, <laughs> he's worse than someone blackmailing someone. So I can't wait to get when the internet gets down to the bottom of that story. I just saw that a little <laughs> bit ago. I'm sure that'll be found out today what, what that yes. story is all about. So he hashtag too the Cubs drought or the new Cubs drought has begun was the hashtag. He yeah. Twitter. He's, I mean, wow. he's, he's, he's not happy. No, that's a scorched earth. I mean, if, I guess if the broadcaster has, has that much influence on the, the fortunes of the team, then we're in, we're in bad shape. So, or at least Keith Olbermann thinks we are. So, so yeah, if, if my initial thoughts weren't mediocre to, bad choice on Chris Myers at first. Keith Olbermann is kind of piling on <laughs> in a dramatic way. So yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how that how that turns out and what what kind of chemistry they can maybe come up with. So if things weren't shitty enough <laughs> going on around the Cubs these days, the Len Casper news is just kind of another jarring, jarring example of what's what's happening on the north side. Um, is that, I think that's about all we have on Len, unless you had yes, more thoughts yeah. on him in the South. No, no, I, I just, I, I do think you brought up a valid point though, which is Len's a broadcasting voice. And like you said, over time you got to know him, but he is, he is vanilla. And, um, I wonder how much the Cubs broadcast does really get affected even with you know, uh, Chris Myers. So, I mean, only time will tell if, if that is indeed the replacement. It seems it would be, I had, I had read, as you said, he was on the payroll already, but because of COVID, he was not, yeah. um, he was not inserted into the broadcast. Like he was originally slated to be. So, um, maybe, maybe all this is just was always part of a bigger plan and, and, uh, you know, we'll 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 find out over time maybe i think but, there is yeah there is one theory that uh mark grace the third man in the booth may have 
been such a horrendous experience for Len that he had to get himself out of that. So he never has to deal with Mark Grace as a third man <laughs> again. Uh, I wouldn't Gracie. blame him. I wouldn't blame him. I guess that would be a non-possibility in this White Sox booth. He will never have to see fucking no. Mark Grace jump in there again. But We will not. We will not have to see that. One idea I had, an alternative candidate, would be Tiger's former broadcaster, Mario Mpemba, uh, who was fired by the Tigers in 2018 for an incident that actually happened in Chicago on the south side. Uh, he... Was that the fight on the air? Yeah, it was after. It wasn't on the air, but it was uh, right after. Right after a game, there was apparently it was a fight. We we did a whole thing on this a couple of years ago, but there was a fight over a chair in the booth. That that's between, right. It's a good chair. Good between chair. Mario and his partner, color analyst Rod Allen. Um, <laughs> there's way more to that story that's too long to get into right now, but obviously there was some animosity and it was an embarrassing incident and it cost both of them their jobs. Mario landed on his feet and was in the radio booth, was a radio broadcaster for the Red Sox after that in 2019, but was let go going into the 2020 season. So, and he has previous experience before the Tigers. Um, he was with the uh, angels for years. So I always thought he was great. I actually love, love mario and rod they were great together which was just they had fun on the on the air which is just bizarre that they would get into a fighting like a choking match in a, in a booth at some point that would cost them their jobs later so i don't know what maybe he's maybe they're a little more unstable than i thought but i've always enjoyed mario so i thought that'd be a cool thing to tie in my my tigers fandom to my cubs fan if he could come in I, he'd certainly be a better choice in my mind than chris myers so yeah, so I haven't heard any other potential candidates. Chris Myers sounds like he's the the shoe in at this point, but I'm hoping for something else. So I think that's enough. We've talked for uh, 20 minutes on that. So yeah, so uh, Len is out and uh, Theo's out too, right, Smitty? Yeah, we uh, we haven't been on the we haven't done a pod in a few weeks, so the the news wasn't official that Theo had indeed stepped down as president of baseball operations. Uh, that became official probably two weeks ago. Um, we had speculated and we knew that it was happening. It was obvious what was going on. It just ha wasn't official at that point. So I think I think it's it's appropriate for myself at least to, and you can chime in as you'd like. Um, oh, yeah, thanks for letting me. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about the legacy of Theo Epstein as Cubs, Cubs president, um, I, I think it's um, I think it's an interesting one. I think that you could go either way on this. You could say Theo did exactly what he said he was going to do create a create a platform for sustained 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 success. <laughs> Easy for me to say on a Friday morning. Um, Jeez. The, hung, the hangover is really hitting you hard this morning. Yeah, it's rough. Um, <laughs> the, the, you could also argue they didn't. The Cubs did not do enough under his regime. They they had the one World Series championship, but it should have been more. People were expecting a dynasty, and I, I can see arguments on both sides. I, I think what I'm where I'm going to plant my flag is, my God. The Cubs won the World Series for the first time in 108 years under under Theo Epstein. That that is the goal, and that 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 would be good enough. But w beyond that, what he 
and he actually mentioned this that he is taking credit for or yeah he should um tom ricketts even pointed out that the idea of the cubs as lovable losers has been destroyed and i i think that that is theo's legacy that it's not cool anymore for the cubs to be okay and you know flame out at any point but just go to the games enjoy wrigley field and get drunk that that is dead it is no longer okay for the cubs to be mediocre and the, you know nostalgic old cubs fans could could maybe look back to that and say that's some innocence lost and a a, a, a sad thing but it is led and it's led to angst you know much much like my my fandom has always been um you know the lovable loser shit is literally shit that should never be uh, a goal of your franchise um the goal is to win a fucking world series every year and that is that was not the case um all always with the cubs and that is definitely now the case with the cubs so i, I that's that's the way i would view Theo's legacy. You can look at, you can point to stats too. The, you know, three NLCSs in a row has never been done by by the Cubs um, or by many teams at all. Uh, you know, the, the making the playoffs five years, I believe, five of his nine years here, they made the playoffs. And before, and before three of that, those were a legit full on rebuilds, so you can't right. really count even count those. Exactly. Exactly. So. But I think the stat is something like before, since World War II, the Cubs had made the playoffs five times total, and he did that five times in his nine years. You can argue about the about the playoff format and everything that would be a factor, but not many teams were able to do what the Cubs did under under Theo in the last ten years, so nine years. So I don't know what what do you think about when you when you think about the Cubs under Theo Epstein for I, nine years. I think one World Series championship is a disappointment. Yeah. Um, I think everything you said was accurate, though. I think one of the biggest things is, as a Cub fan, I mean, even if they uh, have a little bit of a setback, which yeah, probably is going to happen because of of the COVID season, and and Ricketts has been very open about. Um, you know, the biblical, the biblical hit to his finances that, yeah. you know, they're not going to be out there uh, spending money, uh, at, uh, really any money at all. Um, but they have a, you know, decent enough offensive nucleus to, to where they can still probably win an NL Central or whatever. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 um, they're never going to be those lovable losers again. And Wrigley will still continue to sell out, even if they turn into a 500 team for a couple years, if that's, if that's, or just above 500 team for a couple years, it'll, it'll still be packed when it's in summer. You'll see the, the attendance drop off in September, like, like we've seen recently. Um, but it, it'll, it'll still be, be the big, the big money machine. It, it always has been. Um, but uh, you know, the, the thing I always have, have looked at and, and I've, I've pointed to this more, more just to be a, an asshole, but it's, it's coming a little bit more to fruition now. Um, like did we in, I mean, you got a, a team 
that's still there of, of young, younger, younger-ish players, right? Who who should be entering their prime, but statistically, uh, they seem to be trending down. And it's hard for me to believe that when they won the World Series, like, I just was like, holy shit, like, they won the World Series already. Yeah, and that's what everyone... This is a team that's continuing... This these the statistics are going to continue to get better with these players, but that's not what we've seen. No. So I I guess you you kind of question like did they was the talent a bit over evaluated or over over overvalued? Uh, I overvalued is what yeah. I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't know. We don't know. I mean, this I I. I hold 2020 as an anomaly. We don't know what we're going to see in 2021, but I hold it as an anomaly. And the fact that Schwarber, uh, um, Baez, um, Bryant's trending to this oft-injured position right now. So that that's that's left for debate. But he still had a very good season the year before. So I'm not going to hold them in contempt for their seasons last year, right? But um, it is questionable, like, this coming into 2021, what we are going to see out of these players. And if, if, the, if the trend continues downward, then the Cubs are – the Cubs have uh, – Jeb Jeb Hoyer has a lot of work to do then. Yeah, well, to I get think, this team back into a competitive set. Well, we're definitely going to be getting into that throughout the off season as we as we do our sporadic pods for the major league holes this winter. But I think I think you touched on one point that I wanted to get into about the about the future and uh, Chris Bryant specifically. He, the trade rumors are abundant. Uh, the last week or so um, for Chris Bryant and we'll get into the non-tender deadline, but he was tendered uh, which means he's probably going to make an arbitration about $20 million this year because uh, he made 18.6 this past yeah. season and it's arbitration values rarely go down. So um, you can argue, <laughs> you can argue the merits of that, but whatever the reality is he's going to make around 20 million next year and it's whether the cubs are going to pay him or somebody else is so that's why there's a lot of speculation that other teams would be willing to jump in and take that take on that salary where the cubs sound look look and sound like they're not willing to do that for 2021 his final season um the the rumors i'm hearing uh there's actually a couple different Washington Post reports saying that the the Nationals were interested and very interested and maybe had started talks with the Cubs and that's I think that's speculation I'm not sure but the, the on the surface there's a there's a perfect fit there it makes a lot of sense because the the Nationals could definitely use uh, a power bat in the middle of their order to either go in front or behind uh, Juan Soto. Yeah, definitely. They would also benefit from his versatility on defense. They need a third baseman. They could also use a corner outfielder, and he could he could move around much like he has with the Cubs for several years. Um, doing being that versatile, it just makes tons of sense for the Nationals, and they can they can afford him. Um, the other part of it, the on the Cubs or the the other 
direction of that trade would be what would the Cubs get for it? And I think it's pretty, pretty simple that the simple and obvious that the Cubs most glaring weakness in their entire organization is their starting pitching depth in, in their farm system is never worked out. They've never developed that, that, uh, bulletproof number one starter they've had to go the mercenary route and find free agents to do that which they've done to quite some great effect um yep but they wouldn't be in this position that they're in if they had been able to develop their own starting pitching and the nationals are loaded their system is loaded with young pitching i think their top 10 overall prospects are all pitchers so that would be a pretty easy package to put together what, you know, whether it's the number of pitchers or the quality of pitchers there, there's a way to put a deal together there that would be beneficial to both sides. So I think that's an obvious match. Um, other, other suitors I've heard and makes sense to me at least would be but Braves would be one. They seem to be the, a fan of the one year deal, no matter who it is with like Josh Donaldson and I forget who else. They yeah. Last year. Um, and obviously they could they could use uh, a third some third base help. So I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense too. So I think there I think there's there's a lot of a lot of landing spots for Chris Bryant. It's just a matter of you know what you know we're speculating the Cubs are want to dump his salary somehow. Um, we'll see how true that true that is. But the other part of that is what can they get back for a, a guy who had his worst season ever, be it sixty games. Um, you know, you could say if it was a regular uh, full 162 games, well, did he just have a bad two months and he would have busted out of it by by the end of the season? I think I think that's going to be the Cubs argument. And um, you can look back at his track record over time. It hasn't probably didn't reach the heights that we thought after he started out as rookie of the year to follow that that up with an MVP season. Um, he had turned it down. And like you mentioned with We've seen a, a history of injuries, um, whether they're reported or not. Uh, they, they've affected his seasons going forward, so that's a little, little disturbing and lowering his value. But um, yeah, I, I, I think he's, I think he still has plenty of value out there. Uh, I think they're going to point to 2019, uh, where he had a plus, he had an OPS over 900 that a lot of people forget about. Um, and think he's been in a huge decline ever since 2016. So, which is just simply not true. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know if you've heard any Bryant trade rumors or. No, I mean, just the ones you've heard. I mean, I, I fully believe that he was only tendered an offer because the Cubs have a strong belief and that he has value to some team and they need to, uh, start to replenish as you know Theo resigning as we had already talked about weeks ago on this show is is a little bit of a sign that there's a bit of a mini you know rebuild rework going on with them um, retooling that, hopefully retooling yes that you know um, that why would he start year one of it and then leave it just really doesn't make much sense so um, he did what you know he, he did what he did a damn good job. So well, you, um, you mentioned they non ten they did tender him, and the the interesting thing part of that would be if they had not tendered him, uh, he would they would have just released him and not be owe, not owe him a dime from here on out. Yeah, 
but the, the irony of that would be that would be his seventh year under Cubs control that they would be giving away that they actually worked to make sure they had control of him. Yeah. So when he debuted in 2015 uh, with the, with the Cubs uh, holding him out those 12 days that Cubs fans freaked out about that. They wanted him up on opening day. Yeah. Um, so the idea that they would, they would get rid of him, like, uh, you know, not doing that seventh year that caused so much consternation would, would have just been crazy. The, the other part of that is he has value. You cannot let an asset go like that. So that, you couldn't just not trade him. I think they were trying their damnedest to trade him before the non-tender deadline. So that's probably where they didn't have a whole lot of leverage to get much value for us. So I, I think that this trade, we've talked about this many times. I think this trade, you know, would make more sense maybe right before the, the season starts next year, whatever time that is. Um, but I think mo- most likely it's going to be the trade deadline again. That's that's when teams are going to be the most desperate and know exactly what they have, what they have in front of them, what and what they need. And that's where that's where hopefully Jed Jed now at the helm can exploit those desperate times and get the most value for Bryant. So I, I wouldn't expect any any trade any trade to go down anytime soon. I think it's going to be later than sooner. But yeah. But speaking of the non-tender deadline, there were some yes. huge headlines this week on both sides of town with that. Uh, we had the sad departure. Schwarbeast sad was my tweet. Babe uh, Schwarber is yeah. gone. Yeah, they, they let Schwarber go. And I it was not not a surprise. We, we talked about it two weeks ago. It was most likely that he was going to be a non-tender, uh, along with Albert Almora, who was not surprising at all. Um being non-tendered uh schwarber was going to be due around eight million uh and really his resume doesn't you could argue it does with the power but you know the he he batted 188 last year and it's not like it's unprecedented His, his batting average has hovered around the the mendoza line for for quite some time he's he's just all or nothing um he has led the Cubs. I saw this crazy stat. I didn't think about this, but he's led the Cubs since 2017 in home runs. I think he's over over 100, maybe 107. And second would be Rizzo with 95. So, um, so the the power is never going to be in question. It's just the Cubs have become such an all or nothing team that it's just it's not working. So I think they're looking for more contact hitters um, and just yeah, to they need, have some diversity need, in the lineup yeah. that that Schwarber is a victim of that. So yeah, it's sad to see him go. I love, I love the dude. Never question his work ethic. You know, he's the, the hero of the 2016 world series. Just the crazy story where he came back after a catastrophic knee injury that will go down in Cubs history forever. Um, he will always be, always be Schwarbeast in my mind. Um, he will get picked up someplace. I'm not worried about about Kyle. He he will. He's gonna be on an American League ball club. Someplace. Yeah, he'll find a good home. Well, and even you know the DH is gonna continue to be universal. He's got a home anywhere. So I've I've heard speculation with the the Yankees would make a lot of sense. That short porch and left field, uh, right field. Um, so, well, we'll see. I mean, I I feel 
I feel sad, but I'm I'm not not worried about him. It'll be fun to see him thrive someplace else. But Elmora, <laughs> I mean, he just never never performed. He was Theo's first first round pick in 2012, and just you'd see flashes of brilliance. He had the uh, iconic base running in Game Seven of the World Series in 2016. Uh, where he tagged up from first base and grabbed second to get the game. Game ended up being a go-ahead run. Um, solid in the outfield, but I felt like his defense, his defensive skills declined over time, which is kind of amazing. He's not an old guy by any means. Nope. So not sure what happened there. He just never, never panned out. So with in one day, the Cubs lost their number one pick of 2012 and their number one number one pick of 2014. So it just it's just kind of a kind of a strange thing to to see such high profile people go like that. But we live in strange times. Similarly, on the south side, the number three overall pick from the twenty fourteen draft was non tendered. I don't know if you want to go into your White Sox. Yeah, Carlos uh, Rodon is uh, currently not on the White Sox roster. Um, he oft injured, to say the least. Um, I'm not surprised by this by any means, and I'm actually quite relieved by it. That and the Mazzara move is proof that the White Sox are not the White Sox they used to be. I feel same situation three, four years ago, you would, um, those guys would get, uh, you know, Rodam would get another chance and, um, and, and, and so would Mazzara, but they're in a win now mode. And those, uh, two players do not contribute to the White Sox being successful. Um, perhaps Rodan could, I don't, Mazzara's not coming back for sure. Yeah. That was, that was a failed experiment. That which, was a failure. We, which we talked about could happen. And it did. Um, the, uh, I could see Rodan possibly coming back signing for, you know, less than he would have made an arbitration. And, that could, that could uh, make sense. I could see that. And too. coming and then, and, and, and perhaps working his way back and in, in like some type of, uh, you know, not thrown into the fire like Ricky did Ugh. to him, but yeah. work him into a true middle relief role where he has confidence and and can f- perform that way. I mean, he does have an A plus fastball. He could can cons- he could be one of those guys who makes the switch over to a closer. He he yeah. really could. That makes um, sense. You know, the stuff has never been the issue with him. It's just yeah. not being able to get on the field. You know, the, the yeah. old the old cliche is the best ability is availability, and he just he just could not prove to be healthy enough with different nagging injuries, yeah, major so. injuries. So it's a it it's not sad, I guess, but like you said, I I could it's de- just it just I wouldn't I'm not I mean I'm disappointed because I yeah. always thought he was going to be part of that long long time rotation yeah because you, you can know, see it you can see it in flashes what he could contribute it just never yeah. never got there consistently enough yeah so uh do we want to drift into the white Sox now i think we drift the... all the way into the white Sox. i've talked about the ah, many so waiting for this i got so used to just opening up a, with the white Sox and talking about them for like a half hour because you know the cubs are the cubs right now so um Anyhow, uh, I don't know where to begin. Let's begin since we just got finished talking about uh, 
non-tendered players, uh, the how non-tendered players and what some of the White Sox options are and rumors that are circulating around the league. And, you know, of course, there'll be some Larusa uh, report in this too. Um, almost always under sexuality. Um, so, sexual harassment. Sexual harassment. Um, so I, first I want to talk about a trade rumor that's circulating that has the Twitter sphere. This is proposed by uh, Eno Saris, I believe is how you pronounce his name, from The Athletic. And there's been talk that the Sox are, have been talking to the Rays uh, by offering them a package of Kopech, Vaughn, and Jonathan Stever for Ian Snell. Wow. Or for Blake Snell, sorry, whoops. For Blake Snell, who? who? <laughs> for Ian Snell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. For Blake Snell. Stephen who, Snell. <laughs> Bob Snell. Oh, he sounds great. Uh, for for Blake Snell, who, as people know, if you've listened to this, I love Blake Snell, you and do. I love the idea of this. And hey, um, I love him. I, don't, I put him on the cover of Montgomery Biscuits magazine back in 2015, 2016. He had the first no hitter in but in biscuits history, so we've got so, mutual admiration over here. Yeah. So the Twitter sphere is, and other blogs are up in arms that this is just a terrible, terrible trade, and you know we should just go in all after uh, Bauer, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, this is a great fucking trade, and I'm going to tell you why right now. First off. Snell is not an unrestricted free agent until 2024. That gives us team control over Snell till 2024. He's got his con he's got the contract. The contract is money that fits right into the White Sox budget, like 12 and a half million this year. He immediately makes the White Sox top three, like super legit with Giolito, Snell, and and um a Keuchel right there. Uh, I mean, that, that is, that's a great top three of the rotation. Um, but people are freaking out because of Vaughn and Kopech and Stever. So we've seen a little bit of Stever. I, I'm not super impressed yet. He's got a long way to go, so that's fine. Vaughn, we don't know much about, and we've already, they've already talked about Vaughn, not necessarily he may not be on the big league club this year because he lost an entire season of minor league play and a lot of clubs have talked about maybe players that originally were slated to this the 2021 to be their breakout year with the club or their not their breakout year but like their 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 start with the club is they may those those players may not be up with the big league club this year because they didn't get the proper right. minor league season in like they should have and then Kopech, and this is the one where people get all upset about, and I don't. Mm. Michael Kopech is a wild card. Yeah. Michael Kopech will remain a wild card. Is the upside is the upside tremendous? Yes, the upside is tremendous. But he's been honest about his, his mental health. And you don't know what the result is going to be next year, the year after that, 
or the year after that. Yeah, we t- we talked with, about a lot this summer about yeah. all the drama in his life and how he opted out of this season. So uh, y- you can understand, he's, like you said, he's been open and honest about these things. But you you also have to question his desire to to play professional baseball. I mean, right. He did. He chose not to play. I mean, there, several people chose not to play last year for their own reasons, and I think he had some pretty legit reasons. He had a lot going on besides just typical mental health issues. Um, there's a lot in his his love life that was happening that we chronicled at the time. But I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think wild card is the best way to to describe Kopech. You, you just don't really know where his head is at at any moment. So if you can maximize maximize that value and a trade that helps you helps you for many years down the road. I think that would be the way to the way to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I see, I don't see any reason to not make this trade and, and the other than maybe it's not even real. Right. And obviously, obviously the Rays would be doing their, would be making calls to speak to Kopech and get where his head's at. The other two players, they don't really have to, you know, do a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, diligence on that, yeah. that that's an open book but um but he th- th- this trade solidifies the the white Sox top three in the rotation yeah. for, year, for years to come that would it, be that would be it, impressive it's a great trade so then what does that do to so so we had talked like the Sox don't have to go out to get a dh they have vaughn waiting so now that opens up and to me to me, the uh, filling the DH and right field in free agency is easier than filling with a premier starting pitcher because we talked about how thin it gets after Bauer. I mean, it's not it's not tremendously great after Bauer. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 there is a dip off. So yeah. if you could do this trade, then then you know who's your DH? Well, you could go after Schwarber. Does he just want to move across town like Glenn Casper just did? For the I right mean, price, why not? Yeah, why not? You also have Eddie Rosario's out there. Eddie Rosario has has raked for the Twins the last two years. That yeah. was the biggest Third, name on the, that got released at the tender non-tender deadline. That I was really surprised about. He's been on my fantasy team a couple of years. That's how I yeah. know about him. But yeah, he I, I was shocked by that. So I could definitely see him being a he'd be a target of a lot of teams, but he would make sense on the South Side for sure. Right. And then, and then Adam Duvall's out there too, who's, who's had solid, solid seasons too. And then of course, and, and those are all, you know, George Springer is, is, is of course, like, obviously I'm sure the White Sox are targeting George Springer for right field. The question is, is George Springer targeting the White Sox or does he have an interest as we spoke about him, maybe going to play for his old coach in Detroit? So, you know, so the the Sox have, I, I, to me, if there's any truth to this trade or there's any truth to the trade of them uh, getting you Darvish, making this some sort of deal with the Cubs, wow. like those are trades that make sense to me. Back on that, you're not going to. But uh, <laughs> but no deal, <laughs> no deal. Smitty is 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 assistant GM now. Yeah. He forgot to mention that. I've got some thoughts uh, if they want to hear them. Yeah, but um. But those are those are trades that make sense to me because then you you have control over the players, you know. I Bauer's been very open about no long term deals, you know. He did the political move of saying he doesn't he the White Sox are an option because it just drives his value up. I don't know that they even really are, 
Um, but we'll 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 see we'll see how it all plays out. We're we're like you said, it's gonna be fun. We got the winter meetings coming up, so that'll that'll be where some of the virtual stuff winter meetings picks, picks up. Yeah, virtual winter meetings where some of this stuff picks up over virtual drinks. Um, <laughs> so so those are those are my thoughts on on uh, what's going on with the non tendered available players for the White Sox and then potential trades. Um, in other news, which we can't uh, not talk about, is uh, this new skipper. Tony Drinky Larusa, and uh, uh, breaking this week is he's recently uh, he's going to plead guilty to two misdemeanors when he goes back to court on twelve twenty one, which leads me to believe something I had speculated about is that there's some sort of bargain in mm-hmm. place that his lawyers worked out, where basically all uh, Arizona's looking for is to make sure his which is really sad is to make sure his fines get paid fully. So he's probably agreed to, you know, pay them like $10,000 to have these go down as misdemeanors and then be off his record like a year later. So So you said two misdemeanors. Is that two, two charges with the same incident or is this? Yeah, I think it's, I don't know how that works. So I don't know. I didn't know this until I read a more recent article that he, his tire blew out because he hit the curb. Oh. So I'm assuming he got a misdemeanor of maybe like a reckless driving yeah, type DUI of thing. And then a and, reckless and, and, on top because, of that. Uh, yeah, and I'm reckless on top of that. Okay. So wow. so he's so that ups the amount of money they can get out of him if he pleads guilty to both. You know, so yeah. at the end of the day, as as sad as this story is, because I really still do think it's a very sad story that he's in this situation again. It's unfortunately just going to go away as quickly as it became an issue. Well, and that's what he, that's his main goal. And the White Sox goal at this point is to have it go yeah. away as fast so, as possible. And that would be the simplest uh, plead guilty. Maybe it's a, a plea deal. I don't know how that works. If it's going to, if it's ever going to be released, what the, Oh, it'll, yeah, it'll be public records. So okay. it'll, well, it'll be, be available. To, so fun to can, dissect when that comes yeah, out, when that comes out. So that'll be a, a few weeks away. That'll be like an early Christmas present for this. Maybe we'll do <laughs> like a, a, a pre a holiday edition of dissecting La Russa's, uh, I, I think we'll find, sentence. We'll find a way to do a holiday special. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Drinky uh, LaRue. Drinky LaRue. Um, and then uh, just to uh, finish off, look, the coaching staff is in place, and I just wanted to cover a little bit of it. I don't want to spend a ton of time, but the LaRusa coaching staff is in place. So we have some leftovers. McEwing moves from bench coach to third base. Daryl Boston remains at first. And uh, Frank Menciano, have you ever heard him talk? He talks like this, the batting coach for the oh, White Sox. Great. It's awesome. He's it's great. fantastic. Of course, why would you get rid of him? The Sox are hitting the ball all over the fucking park. There's no way you're getting rid of him. He did swear the one time I heard him on yeah, the radio. Yeah, no, he he did. On, I know. Score. It was awesome. It's freaking great. Um, the <laughs> most interesting hire uh, so far to me is their new pitching coach is Ethan Katz, who is mm-hmm. actually Giolito's pitching coach. In high school, yeah, that's and, amazing. And is, and most recently on the uh, as an assistant coach on the Giants. This okay, so he season. has major league credentials. It wasn't yeah, just yeah, the connection they, they, with yeah. There wasn't just a, a weird. Oh, why don't we just hire Giolito's uh, high school coach? Why don't we just yeah. hire his dad? Yeah, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah so that, that um, makes sense. The funny thing I saw with that announcement, I don't know if you saw this on social media. The graphic, of course, I'm a graphics guy. Um, the graphic they made was like 
you know, of course the White Sox motif is black and white, but literally they showed all all the new coaching staff, but they were all posed like it was mug shots. <laughs> it looked like they were in, a, in the drunk tank along with Drinky LaRue. I'm like, so I had no, to tweet. I had to tweet the socks. I'm like, did you guys intentionally make this look like they're all mug shots in the drunk solid, tank? But solidarity, Ryan. It's solidarity. Yeah. Jeez, dude, they're supporting their they're supporting their manager for Christ's sake. They Come are, on, buddy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just just we'll finish this off because there's one interesting uh, note on this one. Miguel Cairo is the new bench coach, mm-hmm. and he's. Long time played for La Russa, and he's been part of the Yankees organization and the Reds front office. But um, the the last two are are, are, are somewhat interesting. Uh, there's a new assistant. I, you may know this. There's a new assistant hitting coach, Howie Clark, because Scott Coolbaugh is the new hitting coach for the Tigers. So the Tigers mm-hmm. plucked the White Sox assistant coach because they wanted some of that White Sox hitting magic to yeah. come over to Detroit. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was an interesting tie-in for for the blog. And, of course, La Russa had to put a Duncan on the staff. So yes. Shelly Duncan is the uh, analytics coordinator, which made me happy. We are Dave not Duncan's getting, son. Dave Duncan's son. We are not getting rid of analytics. No. And yeah, will remain. So good. yeah, it's funny. I thought the exact same thing when I saw Duncan. I'm like, oh, Dave Duncan? No, no, it is the son of Dave Duncan on the staff. So yes. Uh, at first, I thought it was his daughter. I didn't realize. I forgot. Kelly <laughs> Duncan was his son, but I think we need to ignorance. do son son of a Duncan shirts for Major League A holes. Oh, there we go. You son of a Duncan. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's me rounding out the uh, White Sox news there. Well, I brought up briefly the little graphics discussion a moment ago, so that kind of leads me into my favorite segment Pete hates that makes me love it even more, aesthetics, Uh, the aesthetics of baseball, but ass because we are assholes. Um, the, The news in where we, I like to talk about the graphic design of baseball, the uniforms, just the look of baseball, and the there's some interesting news came out this week that from the sports business journal, I believe uh, that MLB has reached out to sponsorship and marketing and design agencies to come up with proposals for the viability and the profitability of potentially having uh, advertisements on the sleeves of all major league uniforms and also uh, stickers on batting practice helmets or maybe just batting helmets um, in general, like during the game, I need to look that up. But um, I thought that was really interesting. I think it's, I think it's something that people have talked about from time to time, whether that would happen. It seems like an obvious revenue stream, Um, but people, people get really upset when you talk about advertisements on uniforms. And I did, I think my first aesthetics segment months ago was, railing against the Nike swoosh being moved actually from the, the sleeve to the, or the manufacturer's logo being moved from the sleeve to the, the upper chest. And I just thought it's okay in most cases, but it was a blight on the beautiful, pristine Tigers jersey. But it, that's starting to make a little sen- more sense now, moving that to the chest, because that opens up one sleeve now for this 
whatever the advertisement is. There's, I think the article just said they're exploring this. So it could, it could go in a lot of different directions, whether each team has, has a way to, you know, do a local sponsor if they want, um, or if this would be a national sponsor that would be across all of, all of MLB, um, much like the Nike logo. Uh, so that that would have to be fleshed out, and like I said, I, it said batting helmets. Maybe it said batting practice for batting practice, or maybe it's just batting helmets in general, having a sticker on there. Um, honestly, it, it's it's funny because my my thoughts all along have been get over it, people. It, it, it's coming, whether you like it or not. You can find ways to make it look decent. It's not going to be horrible teams already put logos secondary logos and other things uh, memorial patches on their sleeves throwing a throwing an advertisement of some sort you know on the on the surface it sounds sacrilege but it's going to happen it's a huge huge potential revenue stream there's no way they're not going to explore that and find a way to do that we've seen it in the nba um nba jerseys are not ha the hallowed the hallowed ground that baseball uniforms are just because of you know, history and longevity and uh, the aesthetics in general, but I think it's coming. I, I don't know if you, you like to poo-poo this segment. I, I'm sure you've got some thoughts, though, at least, about what you think well, about advertisements on jerseys. I heard Chico's Bales Bonds is the first one to <laughs> yeah. throw their name in to be on the, the sleeve of uh, of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, so yeah. we'll, we'll see if that works out for them. Um I'm I'm indifferent about it. I think if it's one logo on the sleeve and that's the only way you can really do it, um, because I question about putting logos on sleeves when it's not going to be tremendously huge. So how much dollar value is that really even going to bring? Mm, I think um, you'd be surprised. I mean, are you going to even really, really see the logo that's on a sleeve? Like I said, it's probably going to be one logo only on, on, on each sleeve. And, in, and as long as it's done tastefully, like you said, who cares um, at, at the end of the day? Because every time there's a there's a brand who makes the jersey on the logo, that's an advertisement in itself. I mean, that yep. Nike swoosh is an advertisement for Nike. Yeah, the cat's out of the bag, I guess. Yeah, you yeah. know, Majestic had been on there for years, or whoever yeah. the manufacturer was, and now Nike is there and has become so much more prominent as of 2020. So yeah, I think, I think it's just part of the progression and the direction that's going. I don't think you need to worry about Chico's bail bonds. I think, um, I think no matter who it is, uh, if it's a national sponsor or local, it's going to be major corporate brands are going to be vying for this. I, I think it's going to be very valuable real estate. Um, if not that it's seen, it's going to be known that they are the official Jersey partner or whatever, you know, Th that that that's going to have intrinsic value, whether it's seen constantly on the field or not. It, it'll be seen enough, and it'll have implied value uh, that that corporate big big corporate sponsors will be jumping yeah. for. So, and with a, an industry that has reportedly lost four billion dollars over this past season, um, they're going to be looking for every revenue stream possible. So I think doesn't that mean they still took in six billion dollars? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Oh. You can kind of work those numbers anyway that worked out for you. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions about how much money they've actually lost or, or haven't lost. So, yeah, um, fucking ridiculous. Those, those real numbers, but biblical losses can be a phrase that will be laughed at for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is what it is. 
I mean, I don't, it's not the end of the world. If they were going to fill up the back of the jersey, like a softball sponsorship or something, that's a different story. But. Yeah, it's never going to be a soccer jersey where there's a giant, yeah. you know, main, the main logo on the jersey is actually the sponsor. And the small yeah. logo is is the team's crest. That's never going to be the case in any American sport. And I think, I think old guys, you know, crusty old, old veteran baseball minds, you know, think it's going to be a slippery slope where it's the uniforms are just going to be covered with with obnoxious sponsorship logos and graphics, and it's just that's never going to be the case. It's it's, it's going to be, nobody wants that. Yeah, it's always puzzled me when fans get upset that their team is trying to generate more revenue because yeah. normally when that occurs, that means then you end up with a better product on the field because of it. Hopefully, I mean, ideally, when 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 stuff. yeah, when spent correctly, and if if the that, that's what happens. So like. Just don't fight it. It's going to happen. It's going to be fine. In fact, we probably, after like 15 games, fucking forget about it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no one will notice anymore. And even my stupid rant against the Nike logo, I didn't, I didn't, you notice it, but it's not, not as jarring by the end of the season. It's like, well, that's just, it is what it is. And yeah. So, well, thank you for indulging me once again in my aesthetics segment. Uh, I, I do have a couple more topics planned for, for this offseason, so buckle Ooh. up prepared. Uh, I sure will. Uh, another segment that we love to do every week is uh, one we like to call Shit We Couldn't Make Up. Oh, you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around, huh? What have we got here? A fucking comedian. <laughs> For a Starkey Cemetery. Come on to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Um, usually that's funny shit we couldn't make up. Um, this week it's not so funny. This is actually a couple weeks ago but that it happened. But the reigning ALCS MVP, uh, Randy Arena, was detained in Mexico. I, for trying to kidnap his daughter, apparently, and the the details a little are a little murky, but it, it became like a pretty violent incident involving his ex wife and her father, his ex father in law. Uh, there is a an ugly custody battle going on right now, I guess, and it led to the point where a Rosa Reina, who I had never heard of before before these playoffs, um, apparently was part of the St. Louis organization, but he. He uh, had a breakout playoffs with the with the Rays and was just incredible. I mean, yeah, it was Irving. insane. If if the Rays had won the World Series, I think he could have been the MVP of the World Series in addition to the League Championship Series. So it's just it's kind of amazing. This guy just bursts onto the scene, and then within within a month, you hear about this crazy story where he's being arrested in Mexico for like a. Uh, a bit more than just a domestic dispute. I mean, it involves kidnapping and violence, and it's it's. I don't know the. I don't know if the, all the details have emerged yet, but I thought that was some shit we couldn't make up. I don't know if you saw that. I did see that and was like, "Wow, okay, well, you enjoyed your season. Best yeah. of luck to you, buddy." Or yeah, no, I haven't heard long term ramifications if he's being deported or if that leads to legal issues coming back to the states or. What it what that means for his future if it could lead to, I don't know if it's jail time or maybe he did nothing wrong. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, right. It could be all alleged. Freaky. So, yeah, weird story. Yeah. Um. The uh, 
I have one uh, shit you could make up, which also isn't really nice. funny. What isn't really funny, and I know you you didn't really tell me who the asshole of the week is. So I, I just wonder if this is a oh. lead into the asshole of the week, possibly. That. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yesterday, December third, the first minor league lawsuit was filed, and. Mm. The reason it's shit you couldn't make up is because the Staten Island Yankees are suing MLB and the New York Yankees. The Yankees are suing the Yankees. And why are they <laughs> suing the Yankees? Why are the Yankees suing the Yankees? Because over and over again, they had been made assurances that they would always be a minor league partner. And as the 120 partners list uh, affiliated clubs shook out, they were not on there. So they have filed a lawsuit against MLB and the New York Yankees in New York, uh, in New York County. Uh, I believe it's around one hundred and thirty million dollars or something to that. One hundred and sixty million dollars. So that shit you couldn't make up that the Yankees are suing the Yankees. But uh, there's probably going to be more of these to follow, unfortunately. You just said it. Yeah, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um I've mentioned this before, but I, I work in minor league baseball. I have for the last 13 years, uh, several different affiliates of different teams. And there's a, there's actually a lot of news that I cannot talk about or for, for fear of losing my, my job. Um, so I do have a little bit of inside information that would be great to share on a fucking stupid blog like this, but it's not worth, not worth it. Um, but the, the overarching point that you made is, is correct. This is just the beginning of litigation, I think, because, what baseball has done is literally leveraged a pandemic to strong arm minor league baseball into, into doing their bidding. They've uh, chopped off 25% of the minor leagues uh, in a cost cutting measure. They've reorganized everything. All the affiliations are kind of up in the air and that, that's the little bit of news I have that I cannot reveal um, should be coming out. It's supposed to come out Tuesday, but it's been delayed for whatever reasons, but all the affiliates are going to be, Kind of shooken up, which you know it doesn't affect necessarily affect um, local fans or you know fans of the major league club. Do you really care if you know who your high A affiliate is? You know, if does it does your double A team need to be in Birmingham, Alabama? Um, but what it does, the, the the main thing it's doing in these where these lawsuits are coming from are the forty two franchises that have just been completely cut out of the affiliate system and. I guess it shouldn't be surprising that the Yankees and are involved in that first lawsuit. Um, so yeah, we're going to see a lot, a lot coming down the pike with that. Um, well, we could do a whole segment. I think, I think maybe next, next, next episode I'll have, I'll be able to talk more about what's going on in minor league baseball. We've, we've, we've spoke about it before, but we'll see what the, what the, what the end of this is actually going to be, or the beginning of this is going to be in the next, in the next week or so. That was not my asshole of the week. Uh, I didn't. I didn't hear about that lawsuit. So th thanks for bringing that up. That's a good shit you couldn't make up. All right. Um, well, let's uh, let's get this a hole going then. <laughs> yeah, asshole <laughs> of the week. What is your problem, you insensitive asshole? Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Who the fuck is this asshole? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. Yeah. 
the asshole week is actually from uh, a couple weeks ago that you'll, you'll remember uh, when I bring it up now. But um, a former potential Hall of Fame player that was on a path, easy path to the Hall of Fame in my mind. One of my favorite, one of the few Yankees that I, speaking of the Yankees, that I actually actually respected and liked and was happy to draft on my fantasy team for several years. Uh, second baseman, Robinson Cano. Oh yeah. Shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make, I'm going to make Robinson Cano my asshole of the week for testing positive. I believe for the third time uh, for PEDs. Don't you uh, know Cano? He had, after his, after his brilliant career in New York, he had gone to Seattle and then had been traded back into New York, but with the Mets organization. Uh, unfortunately, they will not f- be able to use his services this year because he is suspended for the entire season. This is, I think this means he's been, he's been caught three times. First time is like, I forget what it is, what the, or maybe this is two. I'm not sure. Oh no, maybe it's, maybe it's two suspensions. First one, 60 games. Second offense is you lose a season. Third yeah. offense, you're out, you're out of the league. Yeah, that's it. Um, so this is his second offense. So what I, what I thought was a brilliant, fun player to watch uh, on his way to the Hall of Fame was a fraud. I mean, he, he it wasn't a one-time mistake. This is two times. He's lost a season. He has lost. He's forfeiting his $24 million salary. Um which is just un- unreal. Um, so, I mean, it's it's an easy one to do to make make a PED suspension our asshole of the week. But when you have a guy that such a ho- high profile that you are now learning that was just a complete fraud this whole time, it's just you know it, it's it makes him an asshole. It makes me angry, and I think I think people should be angry. Um, so yeah, now that now that I brought that up, and you remember what I don't know if you had thoughts about. Robinson Cano. Yeah, I think it's like a huge disappointment because I, you know, always thought he was a fun player to watch and he had this longevity, this sort of like consistency about him. But to your point, his consistency, similar to A Rod's consistency, is fueled by performance enhancing drugs. So um, they are not allowed in baseball and that is considered cheating. So I think he, um, you know, I think he deservedly has lost his path to the Hall of Fame. And like, I'm cool. I, I would hope, hopefully, he's just not going to be in baseball anymore because I don't really think he deserves to play the game. Yeah, it'd be hard to hard to find a path for him to come back other, other than contractually. And maybe the, maybe the Mets would just want to dump him at that point. His career is kind of, kind of tailed off a little bit anyway. So I'm not sure he's worth 24 million. So yeah, uh, Robinson Cano, you are an asshole. I think that's all all I've got for the week. Uh, We've got a few more subjects that we're sitting on right now that we'll we'll unveil over the next next couple weeks and then throughout the off season. So we'll be coming coming back at you. There'll be more news coming up. Um, Maybe not as much news as we had this week. This is kind of a crazy, unexpected early December uh, onslaught of especially Cubs news, but. Yeah, so hopefully there's more going on. We'll we'll be right back at you with, and to tell you our fucking thoughts about everything, whether you want them or not. That's right. Uh, so with that, um, you can catch our podcasts anywhere you like to find podcasts. Uh, you can find 
us on Facebook, on Twitter, and in Instagram at Major League A-Holes. Um, you can also check out our football podcast, uh, the Limp Ditkas podcast, which we're going to do an episode of here in a few minutes. Um, that is going at limpditkas.com. You can check out our YouTube channel there. You can find yeah. us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Limp Ditkas. It's all part of the Wordhole Network, the graphic flashing behind Pete right now. Uh, our growing Wordhole Network. We're gonna we're gonna bring an, an, an into the fold your Pete's food frenzy. No, what? That's yes, it. Pete's food, food frenzy. Yeah, your food your food blog that you've been doing for quite some time. We're gonna put that under the the Wordhole umbrella, which I'm excited about. So we're expanding expanding that. We've the Wordhole has a little presence on. Twitter, but we're going to expand that into LinkedIn. I believe you're going to build us a fancy LinkedIn page. So look, be, be on the lookout for Pete's food frenzy. Start promoting that a little bit more. Um, other than that, I think that is it for this episode. So I will declare this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. It's about time. S-S-H-O-L-E Everybody A-S-S-H-O-L-E I'm an asshole and I'm proud of